We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and at CKID206. We have a very special guest uh, on the podcast, on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Uh, he's been supposed to come on the show for for a long time. Uh, he's a legend, Seahawks legend for a million, million, million reasons. Arguably one of the greatest Seahawks of all time. We have Bobby Wagner joining us. I didn't even say what team you play for now. I just noticed that I just mentioned Seahawks stuff. But welcome Appreciate to the show, Bobby. What's going on? Appreciate it. I'm good, man. Chilling. Um, so anybody who watches us regularly knows that like we've made it a point almost every every Episode. time we have another player on, <laughs> like, hey y'all, can you tell Bobby to come join the show? Um, and so I can't believe after we've been doing this podcast since 2017. We've had we had Shaq on, Lockett, plus we have Jerome Brown, Nico Lano Hill, Nico Thorpe, Jermaine Defetti, Quandre on twice. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, had KJ a bunch of people twice. on, and Bobby Wagner doesn't join the show <laughs> and until here, he here is. He's he doesn't join the show though, Chris. And <laughs> so a he's Seahawks. a member of the Rams. <laughs> I mean, it came it came at the right time though. It's, it's good. We're all good. Yeah, no, be, be, better late than never. Uh, to, to throw that, there. we are we are just happy to have you. Um, and one of the fun things about having um, players on, you guys have so many stories about your time with the Seahawks. Some that we know, some that we don't. And one I want to talk about, kind of going all the way back since the ten year anniversary um, of the Seahawks taking you and Russ and and, and Turbin and Bruce is your 2012 pre-draft visit with the Seahawks. I'm going to take that all the way back. You've said it sucked. I think you're on the record saying that you and Ken Norton didn't get along uh, right mm -hmm. then. There was so much that went on with them telling you your kidneys weren't, fun weren't functioning properly at the time. But I want to talk specifically about that with, with Ken Norton. Like, what was that? Because you guys mean so much to each other now. Going back to then, what was so bad about that first meeting when you came to visit the Seahawks? Uh, well, it was just, I had, because I missed the combine because my kidneys, I had, uh, I had to do like, I think it was maybe 16 teams in 18 days or 18 teams in 20 days or something like that. And I, and I think I got a break in one of those days because I was supposed to visit Dallas and there was like tornadoes that day. So that, 
gave me a break. And so by the time I got to the Seahawks, I was kind of burnt out. And so I was ready to just ready to be done. Um, and so when I went there, it was just, it didn't go that great, you know, between them telling me that my kidneys weren't um, functioning well to, you know, my encounter with, with Nord. And so I just knew, I was under the impression that they were not interested. And so I walked away from that meeting thinking, um, there's no way I go to uh, to Seattle, especially just like being in a meeting room uh, with Coach Norton and he was, you know, like kind of like gassing me up for the first like maybe five to 10 minutes talking about family and and interest and why I play the game and everything was chilled. And he was like, man, we're going to watch some film. And, you know, as soon as we watched film, he changed to a totally different person. And <laughs> it was like the first five plays were like my best plays ever. And then for the rest of the time, it was every bad play ever. He even went back to like, freshman year when I got like one play in a game and it wasn't even anything and he was just like he was just getting on me like even that play he was just like he said something along the lines of he showed a play and I was like well coach I didn't even play that lot that game like he's like yeah I could see why I could see why <laughs> oh my god I was just like dang who like who is this guy this guy is killing me right now and uh he was just doing that the whole time and I was just like by the time I I left, we kind of ended up going back and forth. And um, I just told him like, man, like y'all don't gotta draft me, but I just hope for y'all's sake that I don't end up in a division because if I do, I'm mm. sure, I'm gonna make sure that I, I'm gonna come at your head and, and I will make sure I tackle someone in your facility. Oh, wow. And um, that's kind of how, that's kind of how we left the, uh, the meeting that, and I, then I walked into John, uh, John office and you know, that's John told me that my, you know, my kidneys still weren't functioning right. And they wanted me to stay in Seattle for another day. And I was just like, no, I'm not staying in Seattle another day. Forget what y'all talking about. Like, I'm good. Y'all ain't going to draft me anyway. Like, I, I look forward to playing y'all. And so when I left, wow. I'm like, I kind of, you know, uh, kind of got into it with Nort, and I kind of got into it a little bit with John over the kid and stuff. So I'm like, man, they probably think I'm crazy. <laughs> it... Pick me, and so, um, and then they picked me, and then Nort was like one of the first people after Pete and John that, that talked to me, and was just like, man, you passed, and I was like, passed what? And like, the test. I was like, that was the test. He's like, yeah, you know, everybody comes in and they just give us all these good answers and everybody's so prepped. And so we wanted to see what would happen if, like, um, if we said stuff that you didn't hear, how would you respond? Like, other guys responded like, I understand why you feel that way. Um, I'll work on myself. And you responded in a way where it was like, oh, we want to have that guy on our team. So, you know, it was, it was, I didn't know it was a test. But I'm glad I passed. <laughs> That's funny that now, ten years later, you are in the division, uh, right? And yeah, Which we'll, we'll get to, yeah. yeah. You said some, Seattle. Some oh, exactly. You mentioned that Seattle will always be your home. Beyond the relationship with players, coaches, what about Seattle specifically made this place feel like home for you these past ten seasons? I just think it's a place where I, I, I grew up. You know, I um. 
you know, I experienced a lot of stuff. I've been away from home for, for a very long time. And so uh, when I was like 18 and like 20 plus, you know, I was living in Utah, going to Utah State. And then really from like 21 to now 31, 32, um, that was really like my growth. And so I was just been in the city. And so I've been around the city. Um, the people are amazing. The, the fans are amazing. Um, you know, there's a, a crazy basketball culture here and everybody comes back. There's a genuineness from the people that, that, that were born here, the people that moved here. And even like when you look at it, you know, the guys that, that I play with, a lot of them still live here um, just because of how amazing the city is and, and all the opportunities are still growing as a city, um, getting better. Hopefully, you know, we got an NHL team. Hopefully we get a basketball team and just – it's a place where you want to be a part of the growth. And um, so that's kind of why I feel that way. You know, I had a, um, yeah, it is also super cool. Me and Chris are two guys from here. So yeah, seeing guys like you from Cali and Doug stay here, Cliff, Cliff stay here, and KJ stay here, guys who are from Florida, Mississippi, that Doug's also from Florida. Like that is, it's kind of cool for us. Like, oh, y'all like Seattle. That's what's up. Yeah. Y'all, y'all stay in the rich part. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, that's fine. Y'all rich. We stay, yeah. we stay in a decent area. Yeah. Yeah. No, y'all, y'all, Everybody, y'all, live, y'all living good. I seen we, K, I seen KJ on House Hunters. He had, he had the heated toilet. Like, yeah, he was doing but good. Was that really his house though? Like you know, nobody's really gonna put their house out there. Yeah, I'm not no, I don't think that story. Was. I'm not gonna air the, the, the show out. But yeah, no, I don't think any of those shows. Even going back to like MTV with Cribs, I don't. I think they were renting houses and then having. Otherwise, you get robbed. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like if you put your location up, it's like why would not like as a person who wants to rob you, why would not not just go where you live? Right. Yeah, no, that's you're right. There's a little we're we're peeking behind the curtain a little bit. But uh I I want to uh I had a recent conversation with Richard Sherman uh for a story I did on you. Um he he was like, Hey, no, I know arguably Bobby's the greatest Seahawk ever. Um and we don't need to debate that or anything, but uh, <laughs> yeah, because he, he, I said arguably, you know, phrasing the question, he was like, no, arguably, like, look at the all pros, check the numbers. Yeah. Um, but and, uh, perhaps a more interesting thing that he talked about was like how you as a personality fit the puzzle that they needed at the time. Like there were guys who were rah rah guys. There were guys who were like kind of like silent assassins, guys who were like really held other people accountable, guys who were leaders, role models. It was a little bit of everything. Like he likened it to a car. Um, it was like, if this was the engine, this is the wheels. And like, we needed Bobby to be a piece. I forget which piece he said. We're like, you just kind of fit right in. Like one quote that he said, he was like, uh, you know, the, play, the, 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 the players are the ones in the huddle. You know, somebody messes up or getting mad at each other. That's us to calm each other down and say, hey, man, it's cool. Or in the locker room when there's tension building in a situation to put that fire out become, before it becomes an inferno. He said, I think there were certain situations Bobby could have reacted in a different way to certain situations, but he didn't. And that allowed us to take huge steps forward instead of huge steps back. And that was really like interesting to like put your contribution to the greatest era of Seahawks football into context. So I want to ask you then, like, were you cognizant of how your fit, like what you needed to be for that team? You know what I mean? Um, I'd be lying if I said I, I did. I, I was just being myself. I think that was the biggest thing. I just and that was what made our group the best. Like we were all just ourselves and we just maximized who we were and we grew with who we were. And so, you know, similar to what Sherman was saying, you know, you had guys that were loud, you had guys who had, you know, that did speeches, you had guys who were quiet. And, um, you know, I think me being level-headed and being able to connect 
and adapt with every different personality was was probably what I was able to do. Like I could talk trash if I wanted to with Sherm. I can, you know, uh, be quiet like Cam. I can get riled up like Mike Bennett. Like it was just, for me, it was just trying to, you know, being able to adapt and, and relate to everybody on the team. So that way we can all be on the same page. And that was my, my thing is just making sure at the end of the day, you know, we were all on the same page and all trying to achieve um, the same thing. And, you know, I, I it was something that I, I grew to understand. You know, I had to, I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't conscious of it at first, but then I started to understand and want to develop more as a leader. And then it kind of just, the, the, the framing behind it started to kind of put the pieces together. So uh, I didn't ask him a follow-up because he was short on time, but when he mentioned that Inferno thing, I wanted to like, yo, how close were you guys to some really bad fires behind the scenes in like the heyday? Like how close did it get to like things really exploding with all the alpha males you guys had behind the scenes? Um, it was all the time, to be honest. Like, it, it, was, it was a lot. There was a lot of times where, you know, it was close. And then there was a lot of times where it just, it happened. Like, it happened, and then you, like, the fire is happening, and you had to, you know, put the water and, and get the fire out. So, you know, I think that was the big thing with us. Like, we fought, you know, we fought a lot sometimes, but um, it was always out of, like, an understanding of trying to be great. Like, when somebody's pushing you and trying to hold you accountable, you know, maybe there's some days when you don't want to want to get that. And so it never went beyond football. It never like like even if it was on the field, like, you know, people y'all used to see at practice, like we used to get it, get at it at practice. Like we used to fight at practice. And, you know, we even had like, you know, uh like people want to show up to our practices just because they wanted to see like if this was gonna be the day that they fight again. And it was just a part of the process, like a part of the process of trusting the person next to you, part of the process of like Knowing, because like sometimes when you had those those altercations, those things, you see who's willing to go to bat for you, mm-hmm. and it makes you want to go. It makes you want to work for those that guy harder. You seeing the the um, the amount a person was willing to go to push you to be great. That even if you don't like them and you get mad and you want to fight them because you're pushing them so hard. At the end of the day, when you calm down, you're like, okay, like I can fight for this person because he wants me to win so bad. He's willing to fight me for me to win. And so I think that's really what made our team so special. Yeah. And speaking of your leadership role, and I think pretty sure DK actually mentioned and spoke highly of you in regards to being someone that comes in and helps. How has your relationship with DK, how that's maybe been an example of growth from you over the last few years, especially with someone like DK who wears his heart on his sleeve, where sometimes he gets fired up and that could result in a little penalty here or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's a combination between a lot of the personalities that we've had before. And so really, I just felt like I just used my knowledge from those situations to kind of explain to him, you know, even like with, you know, sometimes I compare it, not all the time, but I compare it to like a Sherm, you know, when Sherm, when Sherm did that, that interview where, you know, after he made this amazing play, they stick a mic in his, in his face right after the play, he kind of goes crazy. And then everybody like thinks it's crazy, but it's like passion. It's like he's he's yep. he was passionate. I don't know how, I don't know what individual that would be calm after somebody pushed him <laughs> in the face. I don't or like you know what I'm saying. Or like, yeah. I, I don't know any indiv- individual that would be that way. And so after that moment happened, there were so many eyes on him. Like everywhere he went, everything he did was just such a big deal. And even that following season, the rest was playing paying attention to him a lot more. And so. 
you know, kind of after DK had that amazing play where, you know, he chases Buddha down, like there's so many eyes on him and so many people like watching him. And, and you know, too, there was like trying to, you know, play him off his game. And so, you know, I just wanted to remind him that like this is part of being a superstar and being great that, you know, people want to tear you down, but you can't let them. Mm. One more on this. Looking back over the last 10 years again in totality, what's an underrated part of the team's success in those prime years that perhaps we didn't get, we didn't understand fully since, of course, we weren't behind the scenes with you guys? Um, you said an under, under, uh, underestimated what? Underrated part. Underrated part? Um, yeah. I think the most underrated part, honestly, was how close we were. I think that was underrated. And I think it, we worked on it, but we kind of didn't. It was just, we was all the same age. And so we was all experiencing the same thing. Like KJ wasn't five, six years older than me. He was like my same age. And Cam wasn't that much older than me either. And so we just naturally spent a lot of time together. And so there was natural trips, dinners, um, things that happened that just made us stronger and made us uh, come together that, that people didn't. There's a lot of times where you know, we'd be sitting at these these meals and, and an argument breaks out because somebody says Lakers is better than than Miami or, you know, somebody says that that Texas has the best football players and somebody from L.A. like that's not the case. And then somebody from Florida step in and now we fighting over who has the best state. But it just all made us together. You know, all made us together. Like we would always talk football. If you sit there at dinner, you know, we just sit there and we would talk football for hours. And you thinking you're getting away from football, but you know, we talking scheme, you know, at nine o'clock at dinner, and that translated to the field. Like you know, we would be. It was a couple times we were sitting there and be like, "Hey, remember when we talked about dinner? Oh, let's do that." And then it worked. Well, there uh, actually, that's an interesting one. Are there any? Big plays that happened that were a result of maybe not specifically from that dinner or a dinner, but just the closeness created a moment that we all love and recognize, but don't know that it was something that was maybe cultivated behind the scenes from maybe a conversation or just how close you guys were. Um, I don't know if it came from a dinner or if it came from whatever, because again, it was all close, even when it came to the coaches. And so I, I just specifically remember I specifically remember there was one game in particular. I think it was the Texans game. It was in Texans. I think it was the, the year that Sherm got that pick and mm-hmm. his shoe fell off. Yeah, 2013, oh, I think. Um, yeah, at Houston. Yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. And um, I remember we talked about it way before the game, like probably on like a Tuesday. We was like, yo, they run this play every single time during uh, when it's like it was like third and short or it was like one of the short yards he was like they gonna they gonna play action to the right he gonna roll out to the left we're gonna send a blitz right at it so either cam you're gonna get a sack or Sherm, you're gonna get a pick and we was just talking about that the whole time and so it was like the game was online or something and we was just like, yo, let's call the play. Like, it's going to happen. Let's call the play. The coach was on board. Players were on board. We was all in sync. And it, and it, and it happened. Like, exactly how we thought it was going to happen. Well, let's get into some business stuff, man. Because we know that, for the most part, Bobby, you, you're a businessman. And I'm curious, how much of being your own agent is financially motivated 
versus perhaps a larger goal of expanding your business acumen and sh showcasing how ready you are to step into that world? I think that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of people think it's because I want to save um, on my agent fees, which is cool. That's I mean, it's cool. But like the bigger the bigger thing that I gained from being my own agent is way, way bigger than any fees that I that I'm going to have. And so I think it's, it's always been about preparing myself for life at the football. It's always been about like, you know, showing off a different side than just football. I know I can do football. I know I'm smart when it comes to football. But I think, you know, a lot of times, like, people don't see, like, athletes smart in other areas. And so um, this was really, like, for me to be, like, do something bigger. And so that was just always my focus. But I think I just got kind of pent in with everybody that want to represent themselves that don't feel like agents do a good job or whatever. Like, I got kind of put into that box, but I don't feel any type of way about agents. I just feel like this is the best thing for me to do. And um, it's always been motivated for something bigger. Um, it just took a while for people to see the picture. Yeah, no, uh, I had a tweet, um, I think like a week ago, and I, I, I'll make this point to anybody that'll listen, like independent of whether they think Walter Jones or Steve Largent is aggressive Cortez, like, hey man, if I could go out here, give me 150 tackles in a year, and then go negotiate a hundred million dollar deal, man. That's hard. I saw that too. That was that was hard. <laughs> yeah, that was like, hey man, that is. Some, I didn't even I, realize that until you put until I read that. I was like, damn, I, I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh no, man, it's 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 not easy. There's so much like I, I I consider myself pretty smart too. And then I read the CBA and I'm like, man, this is a full paragraph to just say that if you're late, the team can find you. Like Chris, I should read you one day. We should just read lines in the CBA that it'll be like a chunk of text this thick. That's and crazy. really in layman's terms, it's just, hey man, if you're late to practice something, the team can find you. Like that that stuff is uh is really crazy. And the you doing that, uh, you negotiating your own deal with something, I don't think it's talked about enough um in the positive light. Like dude, there is always people shit on Sherm's deal, shit yeah. on Russell O'Coom's deal when they did theirs. And then Bobby negotiates a deal where he's the highest paid middle linebacker. Uh, I think it was like 18 million per. It's like, okay, cool, that happened. It's like, wait. <laughs> My man did it wait. all on his own. Wait, hold on. Well, you know uh, why that you know why that is, though. You, you uh, know why that is. Uh well, yes, I know. I have a theory. Well, before I say mine, what's why do you, so why do you no, think no, that? What's up there? What's up there? I say mine. Uh, my, mine is a more on like a psychological level of just like how smart white people think black people are. Um, and I think that's been in football, that's uh, taken itself, that's manifested itself in football for years. You know, look at the positions that they didn't think we were smart enough to play. And they, I mean, people who make decisions in football, those have largely been white people for the whole however many years it's been football. You know, oh, they're not smart to play quarterback or a middle linebacker. You know, we get. Uh, then when it comes to coaching, it's like, can we be quarterback coaches? Can we be an offensive-minded head coach? Yeah. Like, there's all this coded language about, mm -hmm. like, the, our, our perceived intelligence, you know, that can go into whether we can be general, general managers, salary cap analysts. So, like you said, you know you're smart. Um, but if somebody doesn't perceive you as that, and you go in there trying to do, like, a smart person thing, like negotiate millions and millions of dollars in contracts, um, and you sidestep the people who are perceived to be smart and do that for us, is agents because there's a perception that agents do it because we are not smart enough. Um, I think once you sidestep that, there's a natural pushback against that. You are changing the status quo. Player does this, agent does this, right? Because of the roles that we've already designed based on our societal views of the people in these positions. Once you say, hey, no, 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 I can do both. This is natural pushback. You're changing the, changing the paradigm here. Oh, and maybe not just be you, but the combination of a you, Laramie Tunsil, I think Larry Fitzgerald does his own deals, DeAndre Hopkins, even now with Lamar Jackson and his mom, I believe, uh, negotiating his new extension. 
I just think that when you want to change the paradigm in that way and you look like we do, it's going to naturally be pushed back, whether it's going to be overt or it's going to be coded with you know, a certain type of language. So that's the short version of my theory that's on why short, that happens. Yeah, that was a short version. I could do a whole thesis paper on that. No, nah, I feel yeah. you. I, I would agree with a lot of what you just said. I feel like that's definitely the case. I also feel like um, it's, it's um, changing with the norm of being. Anytime you change what the norm is, like people don't like it. And so it's like there's been this agents do the deals for a long time, and now players like try to or gone to do that and they're just like kind of like like you said like who do they think they are to to be able to do something that i train i went to school like i studied like i did this and so you shouldn't be able to do that and so i think it's just it's just interesting it's almost like you know a lot of times sometimes from agents because then too i feel like sometimes people don't realize agents do control like some of these these uh, main media companies, and so if an agent don't want something talked about, all they got to do is say that main that main media company not to talk about it, and so and they don't want to like inspire or like put that into other players' mind because then you you ruin their business, their business model. Anything that ruins their business model, they definitely gonna gonna tap. And so I think it's a deeper thing, like you said. I think it's a lot of what you said. I think it's a lot of like just like kind of messing up their business model. But I think at the end of the day, they, they, it's, it's so much money and so much food out there. Everybody can eat. So you ain't got to bring anybody down. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. To, to for you to to feed better like you can just make sure you're good at what you do because there's so many not good agents out there but there are really really good ones and so i think a lot of times too is when you have this idea where there's 80 percent of players are broke when they're done playing these agents are playing a part in that something has to change something has to be different if you want obviously the mindset too like you know, players got to be better and more mindful of like their business and, and spending and things of that nature. But the people that's helping them need to be mindful, too. 
Um, so it was just interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, to kind of tie it into what happened with the the Seahawks, like John Snyder, when like you had mentioned that you didn't hear about their intentions to move on from you this offseason, you didn't hear that from them. Right. And then John kind of apologized publicly or quote unquote apology, um, kind of rationalized it, saying, well, you know, kind of we should have done better, but also he's his own agent. So it's not that buffer um, there. And independent of like the logistics of that or how valid that statement is, that buffer part is important because they talk crazy about players behind the scenes. Like it's, it get it get bad. And if players start negotiating their own deals, they're going to hear that stuff. And it's kind of they'll have to say the quiet part out loud if left tackles and edge rushers and quarterbacks starts going to the table themselves and negotiating. They'll have to be honest with them, or they'll have to change the way they talk. You know, and that's so the thing I, too. Like, like again, I was grateful for the apology until that part. And when I heard right. that part, I'm like, "What does me representing myself have to do with anything?" Like, like, and I told him that too. Um, I tried to at least. Uh, if anything, it makes you it makes you wonder or question like what was the intent in that statement? Because it was almost like the way it was put out, it was, hey, look, look at this guy. He's been with the team for 10 years. He represented himself and look how it happened with him. So if you don't want to happen with him, almost like it, it, it could have been taken as like a scare tactic to scare people who want to represent themselves to not do that. This could happen to you. And that's the only thing that I I didn't appreciate because it was just like, why would you, why would you say that? Cause it didn't have like you not picking up the phone has nothing to do with, with, um, you know, with me representing myself, because if this was the first go around, then I get it. But this is the second go around. Like we already had difficult conversations. We already moved past that part. So for me, it was like, we did that already. And for me, it's like, it's a, it's a dude that's been there for 10 years. So like, even if I had an agent and my agent came and told me that, I still would have felt some type of way because I, I see you in the building every day. Yeah. I see you every day. Right. So if you was going in a different direction, why would I have to hear from somebody else? I was literally just in the building, too. Mm. Dang. Everything was just all good. Like everything was all good. Like I had no like I had no idea that they were thinking differently. You know mm. what I'm saying? And so and again, like I feel like I've already shown that like I can handle the business side of things. So if you wanted to trade me and then change your mind, cool. Like, cause my, my, my love was for the city. Like I wanted to play for the city and my love was like, I was with the ship. Like, so like I was going to be with it when we were going high, I was going to be when we was like in turbulence. Like that's how my mindset was. I was with the city. Like it didn't matter. It didn't matter who we brought in. It didn't matter the change we had. Like if anything in my mind, I'm like, all right, I was a part of the good times. We've had some a little dip. I want to be a part of getting us back to where mm. you know we mm. were at. Like I was, I was married to that idea, and it was a reminder that you know no matter you know how, no matter how you carry yourself, no matter how you you've been in a certain situation. At the end of the day, it always comes down to it's a business. So whether it's that first year guy where they can cut you whenever they feel like it, to obviously a ten year guy where they can, no matter how many All-Pros, no how many Pro Bowls, no matter what you've done, like, they can still let you go from a business perspective. Like, it was a reminder. But to me, I felt like I I earned that right to just hit me up because I, I, I wasn't going to – I didn't – in my opinion, I wouldn't have felt no type of way. I would just been like, okay, cool. And I would have just been like, you know, let's move on. But, like, to hear from other people – 
um, that's the part that I didn't really see um, what I was the move. Yeah, and you can, I, I can probably say, if, hey, John, why would you, why would you mention that? You know, to to deflect blame a little bit was probably part of that as well. And he even kind of he was good. Like they didn't need, he didn't need that. If he just just leave that out, like you ain't even have to say that. You didn't need you didn't need that part because me representing myself shouldn't have stopped you from you know, picking up the phone, because we've talked about it. We've talked about there's going to be difficult conversations. I've said over and over again, I'm ready for it. Yeah, and I think uh, the last thing on, like, players representing themselves, I don't think, and I don't know if the league thinks this as well, but there's not going to be, like, some wave. Like, I just named five or six guys who have done it. Ain't going to be thousands of dudes doing it, right? And It's because it's hard, right? And uh, whether you may inspire some guys, you might not. Uh, but I do one thing that you've mentioned you do want to inspire people on is financial literacy and investing. I know one of your press conferences this week or this year when you, you know, you had every something different every Wednesday for us to, to talk about, to open the conversation. One of them was uh, the company public. Uh, the investing platform um, allows users to like buy shares and stocks and basically promotes financial literacy and awareness. And I love this quote from you uh, when it was announced. You said, I want people to understand how money works and how people invest. And that, that's a that's the next step. That I think is very fascinating. I want to hear from you on because one thing to invest, you know, is going to get you some money. Yep. Me and Chris have investments. Why? We want to get some bread, right? <laughs> you know, we want to live next to you guys, you and Cliff, and then we want to move over there, you know, on the other side of the water. Um, but why is it so important for you um, to not only make bread for yourself, but for other people to learn how to invest and be more financially literate? Like, why does that matter to you so much? Um, I think it's important just because if we really, if we're really serious about changing that statistic that players go, you know, broke, um, you know, two years out of, you know, after they retire, I think that's, that starts where it's at. Because again, it's a, all that we've been so stuck in these routines. We've been so stuck in these status quos. Like, you know, when you're a, a high school or, or college or whatever, like you're taught to get the agent to do the deal for you and get the financial advisor to, to manage the money for you, but you're not taught to how to manage your money or how to, like what to do with your money. And so, you know, when we make it to the league, a lot of times, majority of the time, I don't know the stat on it, but I'm pretty sure majority of the time, a lot, of, a lot of these guys are coming from no money. They don't have any money. And so you go from not having any money to having a large lump sum, and you just give that money away to somebody else, and you never get an opportunity to learn how to make it work. And so, you know, you spend majority of your life, a majority of your time, let's say we play, let's use myself as an example. Let's say I did it differently. You, I let's say I relied on my agent for all ten years, and I relied on my financial uh, person all ten years, and then I get done playing. Now I'm not bringing in as much money, and so now I'm not as valuable to them because I'm not bringing in as much money. So now we got to transition a little bit because their time is not going to be always spent on, you know, making sure you're good now like it was before. Now they just want to make sure you maintain and make sure that money doesn't go down. It goes up, but you don't know what they're doing. You have no idea what they're doing. You just got to trust them. And then think about it. I thought it like, I thought this was crazy like years ago, but it was like, there was a guy that I knew. Um, he was with Nike for, he was with Nike for let's say 10 plus years and he retired and he wanted to get some Nikes and he didn't know who to hit to, Whoa. Get the Nikes. And I'm like, yo, you've been with Nike for for 10 plus years and you don't know who to hit to get some Nikes. Mm. I'm like, oh, I, I just always hit my agent. And I was just like, well, why didn't you start building that relationship for yourself, too? Like, 
that's our problem. We just like like we just let everybody else do it, and then when we get thrown into the real world, we're so used to letting everybody else do it that it just throws us off, and it takes us a while to start getting back to like like booking flights, like you know what I'm saying, like little stuff, booking flights, booking reservations, like things of that nature. Like a lot of people don't like, write a check. Like a lot of people don't even know how to do that. It's thirty. 30 plus year old people that don't know how to write a check and they've been making millions and millions of dollars for years. And so I think it's just trying to like re redo that status quo, like redo like the way people think about it. Like, like I said, I don't think agents are bad. I don't think financial advisors are bad, but I think the way in which we use them aren't always right. Like the financial advisors should be incentivized to make sure that they don't do anything with your money until you understand what they're doing. Because then it, it makes it all around. Like when a player understands how to use his money and how to invest the right way, there's more money to play with. So that, that helps him out. You know what I mean? Like, and same thing with the agency. Like you play well, you understand the business, then, you know, you can accumulate more marketing dollars, more endorsements, more, more opportunities that the agent can run with. So I think it all works hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, Chris, when did you write your first check? man i can't even remember it might have been maybe for i don't even remember maybe like 2013 12 like 21 yeah it was was, yeah it was something minute yeah i'm pretty sure it was around that time i didn't write my first so i graduated college so that's 2014 i was 2022 when was your first one bobby when you write your first check first check i was different though because i i was a financial um i had like a financial class so we, we were learning about writing checks so it probably wasn't much, probably for like fifty dollars or something. I, I, wrote, I feel you. <laughs> you feel me? Like, it was crazy, but yeah, I, I didn't probably like write write checks until I, I got to leave. Man, we should swap out. I be, I joke about this all the time with people, like, cause I want to open a school one day. We're not gonna get into too deep on that, but just like we should swap out like the Pythagorean theorem and just teach people taxes. Mm, like, <laughs> change the game right there. You Spend feel me? Like, time on that. Or just add it on, like add, like okay, like a lot of we should have a class. We should have a class on how do we apply the stuff that we learn in school, like yeah, okay, you learn math, you learn reading, you learn writing, you learn social studies, economics, all these different things. Okay, how do you use that in real life? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that, you know what I mean? Like how does, like you said, how does the Pythagorean theorem apply to real life? Haven't figured How that out yet. Multiplying and dividing <laughs> and applying in real life. Like there could be a lot of lot of stuff talked about in that class. I know tipping would come up big time for that. Especially. Oh yeah, oh, Tip, my yeah, you could, just percentages, of everything, taxes, yeah. all, that, all that stuff. Yeah, that would no. be key. In my, I had a class in uh, Franklin High School here in Seattle. Where in my calculus class, my senior year, we spent like a good chunk of time on imaginary numbers, like learning how those work, like. I've never used that stuff again in my life. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> never. Even like um, when I was in fourth grade, my teacher was just like, man, you know what I'm saying? Like when we was learning cursive, she said, you need to learn cursive because if you don't learn cursive, you'll never be able to write because once you learn cursive, that's the only thing they use. They mm. only use cursive. How and long did I learn? Did. <laughs> and the only time I use cursive is when I sign my name. That's it. <laughs> Yo, crazy no how that worked cursive, out. Dog. My when, signature looks bad now. Yeah, I don't even. I don't I even just, know how to. I don't even know how to do all the letters anymore. I just do a big C, scribble, scribble, scribble. Big A, scribble, scribble, scribble. K, scribble, scribble, scribble. Middle name starts with yeah, A. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's, that's all I do. Cause yeah, no, cursive went off the map in what 
my eighth grade year. I don't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's another. That's another good one, man. No, Tyler Lockett has had a tweet about that too. Like, I wish we just need to get to that point, man. Just teach me the taxes, because boy, when I when I you tell me I make a certain amount and I do the math on the calculator (laughs) and that first check don't say that, yeah, I need answers. (laughs) I owe you how much? Or even, I mean, they never gonna do this, but teach us how to like how to maximize our tax return. Like, how do I? Hey, how do I not pay all these taxes? You know what I mean? Like, how do I, right. you know what I mean, get some money back? Like, they, mom, they never gonna do that. My mom gave me the short answer. She was like, you can either take out more in your checks now and get paid later, or you can get all your bread now. I was like, huh, that's a quick way to summarize it. Can you give me yeah. more detail? <laughs> yeah, because you're going to pay taxes regardless. Like, they're going to yeah. make up for it. So, it is what it is. Yeah. Now, one one more thing on the business side before we get into what I think is going to be my favorite topic, where I talk about how much better I am at basketball than you. Um. I'm going to name some people, um, and they've got some things in common. Uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Derek Jeter, Magic Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson. They all have a bunch of things in common, but one of them is is people who have ownership in professional professional teams. And soccer, we covered soccer, baseball, uh, yeah, NBA. Like all these guys own something. Like I know you want to be in that in that lane again, beyond the obvious financial incentive to be an owner of a, of a team uh, why did why is that you know bobby being an owner why is that so important to you um i think again it's all about positioning you know where you position yourself in life i think a lot of times again i remember um um what book was that it was the 40 million dollar slave and i remember reading mm-hmm. that it's a good book yeah. I it, yeah i read it in college or high school and uh it was just it gave this the opening scene i believe is like it gave this this like um, kind of vision of like, I think it was a uh, Larry Johnson. He played for the Knicks, right? Larry Johnson. Mm. He, he, keep going. I'll look at Grandmama. He, Graham, okay. So he played for Charlotte. Charlotte believe, that's for, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that Larry played, Johnson. Yeah, yeah. 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 He played for Charlotte, but he was in New York and he was okay. going crazy. He was balling, but he was heckling with his fan. He played with both of them, by the way. Yeah. Okay. He, was like, he was like heckling with his fan going back and forth and so he ends up going for like 40 that night and then like he's like talking trash to the fan and the fan responds like who cares are you still a 40 million dollar slave mm. and then like killed him because it was like you 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 doing all this hard work to play but the dude upstairs with them sweets and them boxes is chilling ain't doing nothing and so from from that point forward of reading that i've always had like this bigger vision of just not just being a player but how do i get up there like I'm playing down here on the field or court or whatever, but how do I get in those boxes? You know, because those are the guys that, like, we're creating these these wealth that, you know, hopefully passes down to our next generation. But those guys up there, they passing this down to generations upon generations upon generations. Like, well, right. like something that's tangible that you could say, like, yo, I like this is me. And so that's always been my vision to to. Um, to be there and, it, and it's coming i feel like it's coming it's coming sooner than people think hey that's dope right. well if you want to break that news on the seahawks man to man podcast <laughs> down the line uh maybe ever, i maybe I, ever, I, I gotta come back on i gotta beat kj kj came on twice then i got he did kj yes. came on twice so just two timer it's not a problem we'd love to have you but we got to talk about something that is near and dear to i think all three of our hearts. We all love a little hoop. We all like to participate in it, watch it. I'm sure you're probably watching the playoffs as it's going on. What the first game tips off in I think like 30 minutes or so. But 
are you more confident in your football ability or your basketball ability? Because you will throw shade at Mike, the whole, you know, entire media room, because we got some hoopers there, but it go depend ahead. On, it it depends on who's talking. I'm pretty equally confident. But anytime, um, you know, Mike or anybody else <laughs> say that they they can beat me, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm, I'm very confident. I don't even have to see his game. I'm very I respect that. I respect you that. You respect him saying that, that but he I doesn't can... even have to see me play? I, the reason being is because Bobby is – I've seen Bobby hoop. I've heard you talk about how Bobby hoops. He's a big guy. I'm not saying he's going to use his football skills and cheat and throw balls. But that's the whole him. thing, though. Every time somebody, like, see me play, they'd be like, oh, I'm just going to back you down. Like, no, nah, like, my first step is pretty quick. Yeah, so, I'm not I'm not saying back nothing down. If anything, if Bobby's guarding me, I'm running around screens. I'm making Bobby chase me. I'm not saying Bobby's going gonna, gonna to get tired. Dude played linebacker and basically the same thing. But that would be my goal to try to beat him because – I know Bobby's a little stocky dude. I've met him in person, talked to him. Bobby is not, you know, 5'9", 190 pounds. I get it. So no disrespect to Mike because Mike's over here like, come on, bro. I just, you, I feel like you should have to see someone play. Okay. It's not I mean, always true. I mean, sometimes, like, you got to understand where I come from. I play football. So my job is literally to read people every day. So, like, anytime, and you probably know this too, anytime, like, I, I challenge somebody in one-on-one, and I ask them to describe their game. If they throw out defense first, what you thinking? <laughs> they can't score. They can't. They're not good. Like they're not good. If they, if if hey, what is the what is the best part of your game? If the first thing they say is, "Oh, I play defense," then I know like there's there's no way he's not <laughs> you're good. Gonna, he's not you're good gonna sag you're gonna sag in the paint. Do what you do, homie. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, get he's not good. He's not good at basketball for sure. Anybody <laughs> they gonna say I'm a shooter. I got handles. I got something. They're going to describe something good about their game. If you talk about talking about defense, then I'm like, yeah, you're probably not that good. And but Mike doesn't do that, that, though, right? No. Mike, Mike don't no. do that. Mike, no. you know, he talk about, he, he say what he's good at. He, no, I could do everything. That's my thing. I'm like Jamal Crawford. That's my anybody coach. Say, anybody who say he could do everything, then that's when they just, you know, now you like, they got No, no, here's, 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 here's why I say that Jamal LeBron Crawford coach. <laughs> hear, hear, hear me out, though. Here's my Jamal comp. Like, if you ask Jamal about his game or if you watch him, <laughs> If you try to take away something, he can just do the other thing. There's a counter. Like if exactly, he calls himself a counter puncher all the Jam time. Jamal plays. Jamal plays plays around with people. Like Jamal made me think I could play the NBA, <laughs> and then somebody woke up. And then somebody woke him up. Like whether they talk trash to him or did something, then he started like putting the ball between his legs. Like he started doing all this different stuff, pulling up from like half court shooting threes. And I'm like, all right, like maybe. I should rethink this. <laughs> he's pretty good. He's pretty good at what he does. I will say this. I know I can't beat you one-on-one, -on -one, but I would not back down from a challenge. I think I can get a few points on you. I will yeah. say that. I might. I mean, that's I cool. That's nice. I mean, I can get a few points on LeBron maybe, but I mean. No, 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 no. You, no. Ain't, you ain't getting no points no, on LeBron. No, no, no. Yeah. Don't how do that. How y'all know? What you I mean how that. we know? Bobby. LeBron's 6'8". <laughs> There's one problem. Yeah, that's big dude. He's what, not gonna what's miss. that mean? That don't mean anything. He's, he's no, that's not, true. The height on its own is not. You're right. There's plenty of plenty of big dudes. He but, won't miss. I'll just say that. Yeah, he's very skilled, very elite defender. He won't miss. So I'm I'm going to challenge him on the day that he's just he's not feeling it. <laughs> you know, that's like a smart you, move. You know, I'm just like, hey, LeBron, how you feeling? I'm not feeling today. Okay, let's go. Let's one do on it. One. I gotta keep go. that same energy now. I'm All not right, saying Bobby. that. I'm not saying that that the result might be the same, but you know. Uh, I have a better chance. I just got to catch him on off day. I got to catch him on like a Taco Tuesday where he ate too much tacos. <laughs> you, I mean, you guys both, you know, you'll be in L.A., you know, you, you can go to the Lakers games. You know, you might catch him in open run this summer. Who knows? That's Who knows? Plan, hopefully. 
Yeah. Probably gonna be on a mixtape getting them knees oh, broken yeah, no, down. Don't do that, man. man I'm gonna catch. I'm gonna be uh, uh, like Miles Gary. I'm gonna say, "Oh man, he's ducking like that." <laughs> oh, you got it in the bag like that? Okay, Bobby. All right. No, well, Miles Garrett can fly. No, uh, Miles Garrett. He's a different person, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an alien. Uh, we're, we're launching Chris. We need like investigative music for this part of the show because we need to launch a Seahawks man-to-man investigation. Again, I spoke to Richard Sherman recently um, and I was talking about your hoop game. Everyone, for what it's worth, everyone speaks highly of Bobby's hoop game. Everybody in the locker room, from Russ to practice squad guys to Quandre, even like a George Fant who like played college basketball. Everyone speaks highly. Quandre, yeah, Cliff, everyone does. Sherm does too, but he did say you guys have only played one time one-on-one. As long as you guys have known each other, played one time, it was at his house. Is that true? He says... Uh-oh. That's just this is Bobby. I'm, I'm letting you know thought. where the source of the information is coming from. He says you guys just played that one time at his house. He says you won. However, he says you won because of an offensive foul that was not called. Timeout. Timeout. Then one on one. Let me make this very clear. There is never offensive fouls. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm done talking. Can you go, go ahead, Bobby. Is that how it went? That's my question. So first of all, um, I'm just gonna take since we talk about business and. And, and all this different stuff. I'm going to take, I, I'm going to take 15 to 20% of the money that you're going to save from the investigation that you was about to do <laughs> because there's, there's no need for it. It's, it's, uh, it's a waste of money. Um, there's the truth. And then there's what Sherm's saying. Um, we've talked about this multiple times. First of all, the, the odds were stacked against me. We were playing at his house. So you already know, the rules are his. Right. Um, literally, the court has his name on it. So, you know what I mean? Like, that just lets you know what I was up against. And, um, you know, uh, obviously, clearly, I eat all three of my meals, the suggested three. Sure, mm. might not. Mm. So, I think we were playing at the portion of the day where maybe he didn't eat all of his meals. And so, it's not my fault that... I'm stronger than him. Right. Okay. And so uh, it was the deciding basket after he already was trying to cheat. And <laughs> I made the layup. I, I thought I was fouled. Um, but, you know, he didn't stay in the position that he was at. He was, you know, he was, wasn't strong enough. And wow. um, unfortunately, he lost in his home. Like, I think it was like one of the first times he played one on one with someone. And the first L he took in his home and so it's unfortunate but it's wow. it's his fault he should have played better wow and you, why have you guys never played again that was my question <laughs> you should have played better <laughs> no that's cold you should have played mean, better is mean you know, trash he, talk he stopped he stopped he stopped inviting he stopped inviting me to his house for a while you know what i mean so, oh he was hurt <laughs> you know i, I didn't want to i didn't want to uh now you know when i came over everybody knew me as the you know the charm killer you know what i'm saying so <laughs> So I didn't I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to keep making that. You know, I wanted to make sure we stay friends. Wise decision. I respect that. Sherm's a free agent now. Now we gotta get him on the pod. Yeah. Well, we got to. Let's do it. Because he didn't want to do it when he was a member of the Niners, which I understand. Respect. Yeah. Okay, so this yeah. will count as my second time. Like, let's get us both on there at the same time. And then Oof. we'll see how we'll you'll see how my story is the same and his story probably the same. <laughs> That will be that. So we do need to do it. We have to invest in the investigation. <laughs> like that's their money needs to be spent here. Are you going to play in Cliff and uh, Doug and Mike B's celebrity game? Mm. I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm trying to work that out. It's re- they, they did it very close to my birthday. So I'm not sure if I'm going to ah, be that's right. in like uh, mid-June. Yeah. 
It's like it's June 26th. My birthday is the 27th. So I'm not sure I'm going to be oh, in town. Okay. I'm going gotcha. to try to. I'm going to get Cliff and let me get in there. One oh, time. do your thing. I'm man. not a celebrity, though. So, it's a, you know, yeah, do your thing. Not not fair. Um, we got we got two last things for you. are going to get you out of here. The first one is uh, besides the media game, not the media game, the celebrity game, because if I'm in there, I'm giving you a bucket or two if Cliff lets me play. So let's keep that. Keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> I've already you know, I gave Bobby a bucket once. Yeah, you told me. You guys yeah. Were, yeah. Yep. Did you uh, did you did you tell him how far I sagged off? Doesn't matter. Bucket's a bucket. Yeah, it's Bobby, bucket. You, you shouldn't have sagged off, right? Yeah. You know, no, come on, I mean, Bobby. At the end of the day, a win's a win. You know what I mean? You, like, yeah. No. Okay. The, right. the, what I do want to ask you so, is like so, you. So, so if I put up fifty and he puts up two, we're talking about the two. <laughs> All I'm saying, my statement was true. There was no fifty, by the way. I'm just saying my statement. <laughs> I'd be saying. Bobby saying he put you guys went to eleven. Bobby saying he had yeah. eight of them. No, things. it was a five on five. My team was trash. We were up like nine to two. So you guys and, went to 11? No, it was a five-on-five five game. But you guys went to 11? Yeah, and my team ended up losing. So Bobby had eight of his teams. Played. I don't remember how many points. That's not important. Okay. It's, oh, uh, oh it's not important. Yeah, it <laughs> That's why I threw out the eight, but my no, bad. No, no, it doesn't. It, we, we choked it away. You know how after the game they'd be like, did you guys win it or did they? Did, did you lose it? Did you lose it or did they win it? You know, I, this would be like a, if somebody interviewed me, I'd be like, no, we lost that game. We game <laughs> That's what that losers was- say. <laughs> Loser, Mike, say just that. stop, man. Just go to the question, no, man. T- <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I was doing my thing. It was obviously you know. not enough. You had one bucket. <laughs> no, I had I had two buckets. They got two buckets. Uh, but we, we played for like four hours. No, my team kept losing. Your team stayed on a lot longer. My oh, team kept. We. Oh, I, yeah. I, I played well. Oh. <laughs> My See, bad. this is what this is turned into. No, I know. That's why I'm trying to go to the next question here. Get this guy because this is this is probably one of the ones that people want to know about for real, for real. It's just you know, you play for the Rams, the Seahawks play the Rams obviously a couple times uh, this year. We don't know whether the first game is going to be in LA up here in Seattle, but just generally speaking, what do you anticipate Seahawks Rams and already really heavy rivalry? What do you expect that to be like? Can I know? say just take it easy on Drew Locke or whoever is that quarterback? Just throwing it out there. Nah, I mean it's gonna be a fun game, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be dope. I'm gonna make sure I go crazy, be honest, and be a lot of trash talking. But but really, all, all seriousness, I just I one of the things that I hate I hate the way that my my career ended in Seattle. Like I I, I you know was looking forward to this off season as I was like preparing and all these different things of being able to like not say that that was my last play in that jersey. Mm-hmm. And so it's unfortunate that that was the last play in that jersey, but I know it won't be my last play in that field. And so um i'm i'm excited to show that that's that's not what that's not the last impression i want to leave on the city regardless of what jersey i'm wearing Mm. yeah no i think so many guys in recent years would love to get get that one back i don't remember what doug's last uh game was in a seahawk jersey but like from cam and a neck injury to mike uh to uh to cliff and a neck injury you know to sherm blowing his achilles it's like man i want somebody to go out like yeah, plays the glory, you know. Yeah, so I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I I get an opportunity to come back, and play in front of the fans. One, but then two, like be able to. Uh... We let you still there, Bobby. You got us. Oh, we lost you on volume. Oh, Damn. got you back. Yep, we got you. Yeah, got yeah. you later. So you said you were great. You said you're grateful to get to come back and do what now? Finish that for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to get to come back and, and play. Um, play in front of the fans again but also to 
to that not be my last play, like regardless yeah. of the opportunity. So I'm I'm grateful that I understand like even like the guys that that unfortunately didn't have that opportunity. I'm happy I got that opportunity and I'm gonna make the most of it. Well, before we get you out of here, I gotta steal this one from my homies at All the Smoke, Matt Barnes, Steve Jack. Appreciate y'all. Y'all do great work down there. If there's anyone out there, Bobby, that you can help us get on the show, former Seahawk, current Seahawk, and that would rock well with us, who would you have to come on Seahawks Man to Man? Have you had DK on? We have not. So not if, you can, if you can, if you can send the nice, send the nice text DK. Hey, we got the homies Man to Man. That'd be dope. We'd love DK, to have DK. DK is going to be the guy, man. DK is somebody that, you know, I think the world already loves, but it's going to be love. And, you know, what he does, who he is as a person and, and how he has himself is just, is, is I'm, I'm grateful for the fans that he's still there. So. Oh, yeah. No, that'll be, that'll be a fun one. DK is a modern day renaissance man. He yep. raps, he can run track, <laughs> plays football, yeah. does business, he which does he credits, credits you. Yeah, no, he does do a little bit of everything in like a cool, Cool way. So yeah, there we go. We gotta get this clip out there. Yes. Tag DK <laughs> so he can come on. So hopefully DK don't got to be a member of like the Jets before he comes on. Like Bobby, had to be the Rams. <laughs> hopefully that's not what it takes, man. But you guys listen to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Shout out to our special guest Bobby Wagner uh, for joining us on. Man, we appreciate you. Guys. We appreciate you, Bobby, so much for coming on. Best of luck in LA and everything. Thank you guys for tuning in to the episode on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Whatever, we will catch you guys. We'll continue with our free draft coverage. Yes. We had to do a pivot there because <laughs> we had to get this guy on here, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bobby. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. On that note, we out, y'all. You see, I don't have to drive me. You can say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some. Me and try the marijuana. I was never you good. The vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things, and they finish changed. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag. And the color on your lip gave you Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.